Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. I wanted to apologize for a little bit of hiatus. Life gets in the way sometimes. It sucks, but we're back. We're ready to we're ready to get going. We're still got a lot of stuff with football. We're not gonna talk about basketball that much on this on this podcast, but obviously moving forward. You know, once the football season over, we will be heading more into some basketball talk. And, also, and so today we're gonna really talk about NIL. We're gonna talk and we're talk about a little bit of preview of the Duke game. I hope everyone has had a fantastic Thanksgiving. By the time this goes up, it'll be the Black, it'll be Black Friday. Um, right now, I've got the Egg Bowl on in the background just for some little bit of entertainment. Lane Kiffin's son was just on the team's backs spraying a fire extinguisher. I uh, don't know if Lane is cognizant of that right now, but we'll figure that out. So, yeah, so jumping into NIL, everyone's favorite thing. Everyone absolutely loves to talk about it. It's everyone's favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. If you haven't picked up on sarcasm, a lot of sarcasm. NIL is one of the most annoying things to talk about. It's where the sport's going, um, but just with everything happening in the shadows, it's just really frustrating to track in terms of recruiting, roster management. Coaches are frustrated with recruiting and roster management because of it. People who track it are frustrated because of it. People who have, excuse me, people that have to deal with it in terms of recruits and parents are all frustrated with it. It's, it's a mess, but, you know, one thing the NCAA did well, and I'm kind of glad that they did this well, was they did have some clarifications to the interim NIL policy a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I'm just going to kind of skim through and read this. I don't want to read the entire thing, but one of the headers is school support for um, student-athlete um, NIL activities. The latest guidelines also clarify, quote unquote, the latest guidelines also clarify that member schools can promote student-athletes NIL activities, provided the student-athlete or NIL entity pays the going rate for that advertisement, for example, on a video board during a game. However, schools cannot allow student-athletes to promote their activity while participating in required athletics activities, pre- and post-game activities, court celebrations, news conferences. Makes sort of sense. Schools should be able to promote their at- what your guys are doing in the community, what they're doing with other brands, et cetera, et cetera. Just don't do it, you know, don't pull up your shirt and just be like, hey, roll the quad in IL. Or, you know, during a press conference, hey, you know, I actually just joined, I, I'm actually joining this new thing. We have charity event on the weekend. Want to want to come help us out, which is fair. Next header is school involvement with collectives and other NIL entities. Uh, the board also clarified that school personnel, including coaches, can assist in an NIL entity with fundraising through appearances or by providing autograph memorabilia, but cannot donate cash directly to those entities. School staff members also cannot be employed or have an ownership stake in an NIL entity. Um, schools can also can request donors to provide funds. Big old alarm bells there. Uh, the collectives and other NIL entities providing schools do not request those funds be directed to a specific sport or student athlete. Finally, schools can provide tickets or suites and NIL entities um, through sponsorship agreements, provided the terms those agreements are the same for other sponsors. Those same assets cannot be offered as an incentive to provide funds to an NIL entity. All of this to say that they're just really relaxing the rules and saying, hey, you guys just no longer can ignore. You just can't say, hey, you know, there's NIL and it's happening. We're figuring out ways to do it, which is why you've seen, you know, the athletic directors and Coaches like David Shaw at Stanford, uh, the athletic director at Oklahoma, the athletic director at uh, Clemson. You have Mark Stoops at Kentucky, all just talking about NIL kind of really freely the last week and a half. And you know, we've had athletic directors. Clemson had their athletic director during the Miami game. There was a video package so that was put up on their big uh, jumbotron of essentially saying, hey, you know, we have this NIL collective. Donate, please. 
this is where this is where we're going in sports and that's the message everyone has i think the oklahoma athletic director had something about that as well we all see where this is going and you know we've seen where this has been i can't even say where this is going where this has been and i think now that you know the intel has has laxed these rules it's allowed these athletic directors and coaches to really start being able to speak out about it and you know for wake you know they've had some stuff in the past but now you have this brand new nil collective called roll the quad nil and you know something so those little paragraphs about who can be involved in this and that really goes to speak of who's on the board of directors here uh, you have both of the mccreary's you have been sudden you have mitch shaw david couch alan fox don flo and mike drum make up the board of directors i think that's really important to say hey you know wake forest is putting their biggest feet forward in terms of this NIL. You know, that's not the disrespect anything that uh, the Top Hat Collective is doing. Um, there's not anything to disrespect the Winston NIL fund, which is which was started just by solely by the football players. I mean, one thing people look for with these sort of things is credibility. And what bigger credibility is the people that are leading this are the people whose names are on all the buildings that house the sporting complexes there. It's on the base the baseball field, it's on the football field, it's on you know, the athletics work workout rooms. It's like, this is like, these people are, they're heavy hitters in terms of your donors. And they're the ones leading this and leading the charge saying, Hey, let's, let's get these donations going. Let's get, let's get these, let's get this war chest popping. You know, I mean, as a normal NIO collective is, you know, it ranges from $10 to 500 bucks with different levels of access between interviews, meet and greets, raffles, in-person training sessions with the with student athletes, et cetera, et cetera. You are able to earmark it to what sport you want it or note it if you just want to have it in a general fund. I'm locking myself in for a hundred bucks. I'm probably going to, I mean, I'm kind of on the fence right now of putting it general or, or football. I'm going to decide the next, you know, 24 hours, which way I want to do that. But uh, if I put it in general for the hundred bucks in general, then I'll probably put another 25 bucks in for basketball, 25 bucks in for football. And then, you know, another 10 bucks in for each of the tennis teams. That's not, I don't want to say that's what I care about. Those are the sports that have impacted me the most, you know, football, basketball, and then tennis. So, but yeah, but I think it's really fun and cool that you can donate and you can earmark it for whatever sports you want. You just kind of going through down the list, you know, a lot of other question people have is, you know, how much of a, of a how much off the top are, are these guys taking? I mean, these guys are millionaires. They're, they're fine. They don't need some extra money. 85, 90% is going straight to the athletes, which is about the industry standard. Um, I think I, I'm pretty sure the industry standard is 85%. Everyone, I mean, there's just a lot of costs that, that come with building these things up. Websites, getting the athletes together, renting out spaces, all the stuff. Lawyers. So, yeah, so I, 85, 90% is, is pretty fair, right? So I think that's, think that's fair there. So, you know, what does this mean for Wake Forest recruiting moving forward? So I don't think it changes necessarily who they go after. And I think that's a really, really important thing. And I think that's a good thing. No matter what the NIL sort of collective, whatever, you know, organization, whatever, whatever it ended up being, whether it's this top hat or something new, I never expected it to change who Wake Forest recruited, both in the football and the basketball reference. Because you need a, you still need a certain type of person to go to Wake Forest. But we also see the pitfalls of sort of changing and, and recruiting that certain type of people. 
if you're recruiting a team of mercenaries and I'm looking at kind of Miami's basketball team, I'm looking at Miami's football team, I'm looking at uh, who else would I be looking at? Yeah, I think those two would be the, the best examples in terms of like, you know, just straight up mercenary. Uh, I would say Michigan State's football team right now, you know, Tennessee's football team, you know, it, it definitely will work out for you in, 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 in the, in a short term, but you know, there are going to be some issues if it, if things aren't put together correctly, Miami, if, if things are not put together correctly, then you will have issues. We'll have kids transferring out. You, got, you have guys there for the wrong reason. I think there is a, there is a substantial difference in recruiting guys that are there because it was the biggest bag they were offered and guys who are there because, you know, they still think it's a great fit, but they were offered, they were offered a package. They just couldn't refuse. Some of these packages that I have seen and heard from, you know, these recruits and their parents and coaches, some of these packages are insane. Like, and insane to the point of like, you know, there are kids that would be going to different schools, Wake Forest included, but you sit there and you hear the package and you go, man, even if we did have an NIL sort of thing, that we're not, we're not beating that out. <laughs> like, also, why are you offering this guy, this kid this? Like, there, there are some serious overpaying in some of the stuff. I think that, you know, having something like this where you're not necessarily saying I could give you uh, this, I don't think this, this NIO is going to be something that's going to say, hey, look, we're able to guarantee you 550K right now. I, I don't I don't think that Wake Forward is going to sit there and be a heavy hitter with NIL. And I think if you expected that, then you need to re- recalibrate your expectations in terms of that. And that's where Wake would ever be. But I do think having, you know, a something, not even a, not a or B, just having something to say, hey, you know, when, when you get on campus, we have stuff earmarked. For basketball, we have stuff. We have stuff earmarked for football. We have stuff earmarked for women's basketball. That is a that's a that's a hell of a lot of an easier sell than. Do you want to just come here because you have a great relationship with us, like and which is kind of sad at a certain point because you know that kind of takes away from what recruiting really is, but I mean it's it's adapt or die at this point, and you know whether it sucks or not, that's where we're at, and I think it makes I make I think it makes the pill a lot easier to swallow. Some of these kids that turn down some of these you know, larger NIL packages, but it's like, okay, cool. I got a, I got a, a coach that I really trust and everything. And, you know, I'm still getting some stuff to, to alleviate some other concerns. So I don't feel awful turning down, you know, 900 K. Like, so and I think that's helpful, especially with basketball. I also, I do think it's helpful in terms of football, especially because you're able to say we have money to really lock down our guys and make sure our guys that break out year to year, and there's always guys every year that break out. This year, you know, Jamal Banks. I mean, Donovan Green is, is still is became a little bit of a more known commodity this year. Malik Mustafa. You know, these guys are now going to uh, Chalen Garner. These guys are going to be guys that are probably going to be, if not already, have been reached out to, but from in back channels, and that's happening with every team around the country, whether you like it or not team guys are getting hit up in the back channels and saying hey you know like you want to transfer and you know, were getting closer and closer to december 5th where the football transfer portal is going to open and now wake you know having something that 
they were able to say, hey, we have a lot. We have some money that earmarked for you. So that way you're not like you're that way you feel like you don't hurt. You're not turning down, you know, a million dollars or anything of the sort, because now you're also saying, hey, I have some money earmarked for me here. And I think, again, that makes that pill a lot easier to swallow to not go in the portal when you have some stuff earmarked for you. And so, you know, I, I think Dave Paulson hit that on the head of they're not the guys who are the, the hat pickers and always picking the, the highest bidders are the guys that they don't recruit and are also never going to come to Wake Forest. And that's the same thing, whether it's they're fresh, they were being recruited as a high school senior or junior. And the same thing if they're if they're being recruited out of the transfer portal, like I look at it, I look at the reports. There was a report yesterday that Miami has five million dollars in you know, transfer portal money. I'll be remarked for this this upcoming upcoming cycle. My first response to that was, "You have less money than last year." My second response to that was, "You have to overpay when your product stinks," and that is a that is that is something that you know i think a lot of teams are going to be worried about not just miami i miami's the public one doing it but there are definitely schools around the country that have that have some more chests ready for that's more chests ready for the transfer portal and recruiting in general and that's just life right now that's always been life it's always been hey if we got some money waiting for you so i'm not really too concerned about that you know there that's I'm never, I'm never surprised if someone goes in the portal because of you know, the money, but I think now Wake has a fighting chance in terms of keeping their guys in there. They kept A.T. Perry last year. Uh, there's some other guys that possibly got reached out to and are still there. Be the same sort of thing. I think the same sort of thing happens this year. I can, I can never say with 100% doubt that everyone's going to stay because recruiting is so fickle, but I think with this, Wake has a much better chance. Again, better, better late than ever, but I'm, I'm fine with it now. In terms of how this is going to be split up, you know, between football, basketball, all the stuff, like I said, you can you can earmark it. Um, I I think that's going to be just a simple thing of you know your bigger stars are going to are going to be paid more, and that's not just football, basketball. I mean, Jewel Spear I think deserves deserves a bag. I think your better bat baseball players are going to deserve a bag. I think you know if you even I I think the people are going to be adjusted as as they perform, and I don't think anyone has a problem with that. And again, I think that's part of the culture that Wake Forest. I guess part of the way the part of the culture Wake Forest likes to instill is, you know, like your it's as a, as a merit based sort of thing. And I don't think anyone has a problem with, you know, you're being a look, you're AT payer, you're making, I'm not saying this is how much AT Perry's making. I have no idea. I have no idea what it, what AT Perry's and IO deals look like right now. AT Perry's making 800 K right now. You know, you're, and I don't, I'm thinking, you know, Tommy, Tommy BB, you know, a true freshman linebacker hasn't really seen the field yet. Cause he's a true freshman linebacker. Um, you know, he's, hey, he makes, you know, five, six K, you know, that's fine. You know, I think that, and I think stuff like that helps. I mean, I, I know the guys, people are worried about your guys like Weston Grimes and Damon Claiborne. I'm sure they're going to be, I'm sure those guys are going to be paid more than others. And that's just kind of how things work. That's how it's kind of how a lot of things work. You know, if you're, if you're showing that you can get on the field more, your, your, your money will probably be boosted up and that's, that's just life. So I think, I think it'll be fine. Um, I don't worry about the sort of locker room dynamics or anything like that. You see, like, I, th- I think of a Texas A&M where, you know, those guys are being, were being brought there solely bef- because of money. 
and the locker room dynamics there have not been great. Locker room dynamics in Tennessee, even, even though they were winning the last couple of weeks, have not been great because of NIO. And I think that happens when you have people that are mercenaries and you have people there that are there because this was the biggest bag they got. And I don't think that'll ever be the case at Wake Forest. So, you know, I think that, you know, you, you, you might have those problems once every once in a while because that's just life and, you know, people react to things in different ways. But, you know, I think there is a less, I think there is a smaller chance of that happening at Wake Forest. One of the questions I got the other day was, would you pay Sam Hartman a million dollars to come back to Wake Forest next year? And so I, I, I sat on it because I never want to get like a snap answer or something like that. And I said, it depends. And I didn't want it to be a cop-out answer, but I said, it depends. I think it depends on what your NIL budget is. So I'm not necessarily privy to the exact funds of how much is in the war chest for roll the quad NIL. I do know that they are not sitting there with, you know, 10K, 50K, 100K. I, there, is a, there is a substantial amount of money in this. They're, they're, they came prepared for this. This is not something we're going to rely on. We're going to try and raise $5 million just from, if they do from fans, it's great, but they're not going to rely on that. Like there, I think there is a substantial war chest already built up, but I don't think it's close to say, you know, $10 million from Ole Miss, which is fair. Like Ole Miss has more people. They're a feverish bunch and they've had that for longer. Ole Miss, they hit, they hit 10 million, I think what was it, two days ago. If I have, let's, I, again, this is, I do not have the numbers. This is just me throwing these numbers out. If I have $4 million, let's say three, because I think three is a more realistic number right now. Let's say if I have $3 million in locked up, I think it's a hard no. And that's not just the Sam thing. That's a, if I want anyone to come back, I'm not paying them a million dollars. I'm not paying them a third of what I have in my NIL budget for one year. Now spread over the 1 million spread over the course of two, three years. Oh, I, I'd be, I'd be a lot happier with that decision. But I, for just one year, I'm not, I'm not blowing my budget on that for one guy. I think that's just the, I don't think you ever get an, a good ROI on that. And I think that it like this, okay, so cool. So cool. If you have $3 million, you have, give one of them to Sam Hartman. That leaves you with $2 million in NIL for like the entire rest of, the, of your athletics department. I think you need about a million dollars to keep, to, to recruit and keep your guys on campus for football. I think you need, I think you need more. I think you need about one point. I'd, I'd put 1.5 is where I go. Okay, cool. This is where I would be comfortable with, but I, you know, let's, let's say $1 million just to keep it even. I think you need about the same, if not more for basketball, like, and boom, there's kind of all of your NIL funds gone. I know people are like, well, like this and like, well, you know, these are the money making sports. Cool. Fine. Whatever. Uh, no, you're, you're going to have to, make sure that's spread out across, you know, everyone, but yeah. And I'm sure, you know, not everyone's putting all their money just in football and basketball. So yeah, I, I just think that's just, I, I don't think you have the ROI to that. And I, I just don't think you have the funds to do that and, and keep and have, and have everyone else fairly compensated. If you're at Tim Lillian and you're asking me on Sam Hartman, I'd be, I'd, I'd be more okay with it or, or Rondell Bothroyd or A.T. Perry and one like that. I'd be, I'd be more okay with it. I don't know if I go yes, because I think they'd be dependent on, you know, like a lot, whole lot of other things, but you know, I, I would be, I'd be more okay with it. Um, and the reason I think this, not that I think, the reason this question was brought up 
was because of the lovely internet rumors or rumor that I should say of, oh, I've, I've heard Sam Hartman's possibly going to either go in, he's either going to go into the NFL draft or look transfer to Florida. Florida's the, the name right now. I'll start off this with this statement of, I don't touch rumors really. Like if, if you, if you've dealt with me on Twitter in person, in the message boards, I don't do rumors at all. If I, if I, if I talked about every single rumor that has come across my desk, my, my DMS, my text messages, private messages on the board, I would have been like, Hey, Sam Hartman's transferring in, in 2020 during the COVID season. Hey, I heard this wide receiver's not getting playing time last year. He's looking to transfer. And then I go talk to the player, just not just to report anything, but just to be like, Hey, just as a friend, what's going on here? And they're just like, dude, I don't know where that came. I heard, I heard that. And I was like, well, I, that was news to me. I'd have, yeah, I, I'd have a lot more. I'd be chasing a lot of streets like these, like something like that. Just never like Sam Hartman transferring never made sense to me. I feel like he would break a lot of ill will. Not so much that people would want him back. I, I mean, I think obviously the fan base would be cool. would be fine with him having back. I, you know, I can learn people that have thought even Sam Hartman himself is thinking, you know, I've run my course here at Wake Forest. Um, that's something that wrong lines what he said um, a week and a half ago to us. Yeah. I, I think people would be fine if he took the step to the, you know, the NFL, if he went to transfer, I don't necessarily know how that, I really don't know how that would go over with the fan base. I don't, I think not very well, but I think that he's just done with school, man. <laughs> if we're really boiling down with it, I think he's just done with school. School's not for everyone. And he's got his degree. I think he's got a master's at this point. Possibly he might just have his degree. Correct me. I'm sorry. If, sorry. If you don't have your master's yet, Sam, I'm so sorry, but yeah, like I, I think he just wants wants to just get out of school and see what's next with him. When that's that's completely fair to him. The other elephant in this room is there's not so much that film, more film can do for him. It's not like he was a, it's not like he was a Hinden Hooker that was at an absolutely garbage scenario for himself at Virginia Tech, and then went to a Josh Heupel led offense that is a better skill set for him. This kid has has three years of tape of him just dropping back and running RPOs, which is what you're doing in the NFL, unless you're playing for like the Titans. He's while it's not necessarily call a pro style offense, like RPOs are, are in the, are the, are the NFL game. He's dropped back a considerable amount these last three years. There's, there's only so much tape you can have, you can have on there. And I don't think, I don't think another year of tape does anything for him. And I, from talking to some draft people, they don't think another year of that does anything for him. Uh, they kind of know who he is at this point in terms of that. You know, they want to see what the combine brings for him in terms of his, in terms of his athleticism. Um, but in terms of an actual year of, of tape, I don't think that was anything to him. So all I have to say, I, that rumor kind of made me laugh. I was, I, I'm never going to rule it. Like I said earlier, I'm never going to rule anything out. If someone like Florida wants to sit there and pay him $2 million to come back. And, you know, something that he said on the, um, AC network after the game against Syracuse last week, you know, he was, I think it was, he was specifically asked that uh, about whether or not he would come back next year. And he kind of slyly said, you know, if there was a big enough NIL package, like, like I think about it, um, he looked kind of un, looked kind of uncomfortable with it. I don't, I don't think anyone will sit there and like, if someone sits there and, and really offers them, you know, a couple million dollars to come back. That's that's more power than them. That is just that's just more power to them. And I, I, I got nothing on that. So, 
it is what it is, but I don't, I haven't heard any sort of truth to these rumors of him looking to be in, I haven't heard any rumors for him looking to be in talks or looking to transfer or stay in college whatsoever. That, that's just not, that's not it. You can go, you can go to sleep, you can go to sleep well. I don't see Sam Hartman being in college next year. So go from there. So before we get to the Duke game, let us hear a word from our sponsors. So now we have the lovely last game of the season. This season has been a wild ride. Um, I don't think it hasn't been what anyone's expected, and you know, but in in a good, some good, some bad. Um, it's definitely been disappointing in a certain sense of you know. I think a lot of people, myself included, thought this would be a ten plus one team, not a ten plus one team, uh, but. They have a chance to finish it strong, and it starts with the game against them with a game against Duke. You know, I, this is going to be the epitome of a one-week season. Like, look, like your goals of winning an ACC championship game are gone. Your goals of getting to ten wins is gone. But you can sit here and still get to nine wins. You can sit here and still beat an, a team that you recruit very heavily against in Duke. And this is a frisky Duke team. This is going to be a game that, depending on how you look at it, will be really fun or terrifying. I think it'll be terrifying because Duke is a really frisky team. They they fight. This team fights so hard, just down to down and week to week. Like there has not been a single week this week that I can point out and be like, they quit. <laughs> like that is like that is just not their MO. Mike Elgo has done a very, very, very good job there. On offense, I see them as essentially coastal cues. I have really seen that I mean at, at the quarterback position, I mean, I think. Riley Leonard, a better version of Garrett Trader. I think he's still raw. He's got to work on what he does. Like, I think grade-wise, he's he's done well down the field, but some of the time, whenever you throw on the film, I'm like, he's just missing guys down the field. And, you know, that happens. You know, he's still trying to get back into rhythm. Um, this still is a team that is, I think they're still lacking a little bit of talent, but they have some playmakers. But I think I think how they, they stylistically play of, you know, they look to run the ball. Hey, this is a team that is you know 48th epa per pass 10th epa per rush but you, know, you look at success rates 70 74th in the country in passing success rate 28th in rushing they if they had the choice of it they would very much run the ball every single down and be completely fine with it they'd be so fine with it you know but you look at it from the perspective of what they ask riley Leonard to do when the ball's in his hands I'm um, just kind of pulling up this the stat for about his A dot. Um, you don't know what A dot is it's average depth of target. So essentially, how far is the ball going every time you throw it? His um his average depth of target is 8.5 yards. That is tied for 101st out of 130 qualified quarterbacks, and it puts him behind guys like Devin Leary, Spencer Petras, DJ Uyangalale, and Stetson Bennett. I don't think any of us would call those guys down the field passers. I think we would say those guys are pretty much check down slash hit the intermediate like the about the sticks and that's really about it and he's buying them and he's and that's i i don't think that's necessarily a lack of trust in leonard they definitely put a a lot on his plate i mean they ask him to run a lot they ask him to really like run that rpo and they really ask him to be the offense but in terms of putting the ball in his hand to chuck it down the field they don't want to be behind the sticks no team wants to be behind the sticks but they really don't want to be they, they want to be kind of on schedule, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. You know, they, they kind of keep the ball in his hands. He can run. They'll give it to one of their $15 million, $15 million running backs. 
Um, they don't have necessarily have a, like a Sean Tucker, but they do have a stable of running backs that have gotten you know banged up the last few weeks. You know, it's going to be a really fun game of where's Waldo to see who's playing. But they, you know, they that's you know option one is running as quarterback, option two is you know, running back, and then they have two guys that they're really fine with catching the ball. Um, you know, they obviously often they have more than two guys, but I mean, they're two guys that they that you're really going to see targets to are going to be Mr. Calhoun, Mr. Mr. Moore, and you know, I'm a, I mean, that's that's why I kind of equate them to being like a Syracuse. Like, you know, I don't think they're a team that's going to go like five wide and just sit there and spread the ball out. And that, that's not that's their game. Their game is going to be playing ball control. Their game is going to be, we are going to try to out-physical you. That is that is who they are as a team. That is what Mike Elko wants them to be as a team. And so I think, you know, when they're on offense, it's going to be pretty similar to what Wake did last week for, you know, from the excuse me, end of the first quarter all the way to about 10 minutes left in the fourth of, you know, there's a spy on Garrett Trader. We're going to take the run away from you. And, you know, if you beat us downfield, you beat us downfield. But we think that more often than not, you're not going to be able to beat us downfield. And so I, that's why I kind of think they're going to wait to try to play the same thing in terms of that. Um, you know, on defense, stylistically wise, they remind me a bit of Florida State in terms of I like their, I like their edges a lot. Um, you know, they, they're, they're twitchy. They'll get after the quarterback, uh, Carter. I like him a lot. But, uh, and they, they really like, they, try to do the same thing I just kind of explained was they like to take the take you out of your running game and then you know really force you to pass but the, the problem with that is that they are getting absolutely torched in passing they're 12th in EPA per rush um, allowed and 93rd in EPA per pass allowed you know looking at that from a success rate standpoint you know how you're doing down to down 51st run defense uh, 37.9 percent um, 92nd in pass defense like they are getting just chunked through the air. Guys are guys are winning contested balls on them a lot. I mean, part of the thing with the four two five, when they run, I mean, it's not just the four two five. It's really just a lot of what they run. They run a lot of cover two. Um, is those underneath routes are going to get going to get yanked? Like they, there's going to be a time. I think this is a really good game for a guy like a. Taylor Marin or uh, Keyshawn Williams, especially because I, if a Donovan Green or Jamal Banks isn't ready to go, they're probably going to have Marin start on the outside and Keyshawn in the slot. And I think this is going to be a game where they just wakes wide receivers are very adept at beating zone coverage. And I think, you know, when you're, when you're doing that and you're playing these cover two and these have these quick routes, a guy like Keyshawn feasts on them. And I think this, that's this type of wide receiver that's, that gives Duke fits are these like, you know, faster twitchy receivers. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really intrigued to see what, what kind of game plan they go there. And then one thing that happens when they are getting chunked up by these underneath routes is they'll kind of, they'll, they'll play a little cover one and they'll just be like, okay, cool. We're not getting beat like this again, just man coverage. And the corners are getting beat. Now on the flip side of that, they are creating a lot of turnovers. They're, they create, if you make a mistake, they are going to take, take it away from you. There's Miami found that out the hard way. Uh, Pitt found that out. Georgia Tech found that out. Like VT found that out. If you if you make a mistake, they are going to take the ball away from you. So this is going to be a game that you cannot make mistakes in. But I think they're going to give you a lot of opportunities to not make mistakes. I think I think you'll be able to chunk there. I think the biggest thing for Wake Forest right now is going to be can you run the ball. I think this is one where it's going to be. If you're a fan, do not be frustrated if they're running at three four yards carry. 
if you're Wake Forest, I mean, that's kind of the game plan is, hey, you know, three, four yards carry. That's our that's our motto. Like, that's, that's, that's what the defense has given us. Be okay with that. Because I think, you know, you're, I don't think they're going to be – they're not a team that gives up a bunch of chunk runs. They're not giving up 30, 40, 50-yard runs every, every now and again. But, you know, they're start they're solidly in the middle in terms of, of a success rate of, all right, you are just going to run fine on them. And that's okay. And so I think that's going to be Wake's game plan is, hey, like, you know, let's get our run play, our run going. And then, you know, some they're going to get, they're going to give you, they have, they love this little three man, this three down look that I, I know Wake kind of loves it too. But I don't, it's, it's not so much a wide nine on the, on the defensive end. The, the defensive end isn't really like really kicked out towards like where a tight end would be. Um, so, but they really, they really love that sort of three man look. And when that three man look comes, don't be afraid to run on it, but also don't be afraid to just absolutely torch that towards the cornerbacks. Um, but, you know, I, I think these two teams are a little more similar in terms of they both have had to really, they both have gotten up to some slow starts. Um, and I think it's really annoyed both teams, both coaches, because I think both coaches think they're better than that. Both coaches know they're better than that. V, VT got up on, on Duke really quickly and Duke had to really come back in that, in that second half. I know the score only said 24 seven, but you know, I, VT was, VT did well against that offense pit. I mean, they were, they made mistakes against pit, made a lot of mistakes against pit, but they, they rallied back there. They were rallying against UNC. They were rallying against um, Georgia tech. You know, they ended up losing that Georgia tech game as well, but it's one of those things that they, they have been a, a team, they've been a team to rally. You know, I'm, I'm curious as to how, what's left in the tank. Obviously I think, I think there's gonna be juice for them, but you know, if you punch them in the mouth, I wonder what's left because I don't, see them anymore as a team that i trust to necessarily if you get up say 21 nothing on them i don't think they're a team that can come up that can come back from that now if it's like a 14 if it's a 17 7 game and you're really kind of keeping them in that i think so but you know if you're if you're asking riley Leonard to sit back and drop back and just lead you back in that game i'm not entirely sure he's ready to do that so so that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting uh, i think the environment's gonna help wake a bit in as long as you know duke doesn't have on us all of a sudden a raucous crowd i think the raucous crowds have definitely hurt wake in terms of like that offensive line just false starting and you know they're getting too amped up of trying to deal with them and then these holds come out left and right and drops come left and right you know i don't think it's be a necessarily sleepy environment but i think it'll be one that it won't be it won't be carter finley i think i don't think it'll be dope campbell um i think they played it well in dope campbell but i don't think it's going to be an environment where you sit there and go man like you know, this is just a rocking place. I think they're going to be, they'll be able to play their game. Um, I also think, you know, Duke is hurt. I know Wake is hurt, but, you know, Duke is, Duke is, I know they're going to be down at least one offensive line, starting offensive lineman. They might be down a second. You know, he's, uh, he's coming back from a, from a surgery. He's day to day. I I honestly don't have a lean on whether he plays or not. I don't think, actually, I'll, I'll probably say I don't, I don't think he plays, but you never really know in terms of football nowadays. Alco gets from the, Clausen tree of, I don't know, man. So, but, you know, Duke is hurting. And I think one of the biggest things for me is I don't know if Duke's at the level that if that they're able to fully sustain this play that they're when they're hurt. I think we saw a little bit of last week, you know, guys trying a little bit too hard. We saw a little bit of just, you know, like they were missing, they were definitely missing their tight end. They're definitely missing some running backs there. They ran for, I think about a, about a quarter of their normal rushing yardage last week. Um, part of that is pitched run defense is decent. And the part of that is that they just didn't have the bodies there to do that. And 
I'm curious to see what happens there. But yeah, I think this comes down to uh, the, the trenches. Football is about blocking and tackling. I think Wake wins this one. I think Wake wins this one by about a touchdown. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a close game, but I think I just think the death on Wake is just a lot better. I think Wake is if if Duke was a better passing team than they are right now, I would I would be a lot more concerned. But the fact that their strength it lies where Wake Forest is strongest at on defense, same thing like I thought last week is you know I think Wake is definitely I think Wake is is rightfully a favorite in this on the road. And I think that'll, I think that'll come to fruition when it comes to the final zeros, but I think this is a very important game for Wake. I mean, we're going to talk about bowl projections on Sunday or Monday when it, when that goes up, but you know, I mean, you win it, you win an eighth game, you're more likely to sneak your way into a, to a tier one bowl. You know, I, I also would like to be in it, or if you don't get in tier one bowl, ending up in Charlotte would be a lot of fun for a lot of us or New York. I think a lot of us don't want Fenway or, <laughs> Or El Paso, um, Fenway would be fun, but I mean, it's what the, I think it's on the, like the seventeenth. It's just a weird time, so uh, you know, I I think that, and, and also ending the season strong. You know, they're deaf. They're while you're you're going to lose an At Perry, you're losing a Sam Hartman, you're a couple guards, some guys on defense, etc. While you're losing those guys, there is a considerable amount of these guys coming back. Whether it's possibly Michael Jurgens, whether it's a Keyshawn Williams, Jamal Banks, Donovan Green, Tim Lorin, Malik Mustafa. I know who's not playing this week. Jalen Garns, uh, Kalen Carson, Gavin Holmes. These guys are all Chase Jones, uh, Dylan Hazen. Like these guys are coming back next year. And being able to say, you know, we came back and rallied for stuff, that means a lot to these guys. Like you, you didn't just fold when your goals were all off the table. Like, I mean, even in that UNC game, like they, I think they played their, played their asses off, but I think winning this game compared to what I heard, what was going on in that locker room after the NC state game, it, a win against Duke would be, a, would be, would be huge. I think it'd be a, be a very big boost and being able to play a, a better team in the, being able to play a better team in the bowl game and being able to just say, you finish the season on a two game winning streak and then play in a bowl and hopefully on a three game winning streak. I think that will mean a lot both recruiting wise. And I think it will mean a lot to these guys. And I think that's what really matters. So um, yeah, thank you guys all for, for listening to it. I had people reaching out to me. I'm um, asking about the podcast and I really do appreciate that. It means you guys for listening to it. Um, really happy to hear that. Uh, we'll be back. Obviously I'll be back on Monday we'll, on Sunday and then we'll release it on Monday. Uh, we'll be back on schedule after that. And as always go Deeks.